0: All right, it's DT Systems, dog-tested and dog-tough. You know, we like that dog in them, baby. We've been using the H2O 1820. Over the last several months, we've been playing with this unit. Our friends at Standing Stone Kennels, Ethan and Kat, they've been using it for years, and we've been playing with it. We really like it. I think for the dog trainer, the hunter, and the guy or gal who's training their dog to get ready for duck season, we'll really enjoy the 1820. Super reliable, super consistent, great unit for you and your dogs. H2O 1820 dog tested dog took. our baby gunner kennels man one of the things that i love about gunner kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies old buck he hangs out on a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro and in his we've got the ortho pad he's got the old joints and and even if your dog's not old like buck you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit so the ortho pad super huge if you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit maybe chew a little bit that performance pad is going to be clutch as well so check it out it's the full kit brought to you by gunner kennels always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe slide the dms if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel. force fetch what is it it's super intimidating to so many people yet it's not that difficult i built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it, you and your dog can be successful in it, and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch course, baby. these guys are all elite they don't shoot hoodies (laughs) so i'm like man i just gotta get the rust off and shoot me a hooded merg on the water man like (laughs) i can't hit a duck in air i need a hoodie to get me going what's going on everybody it's me and kevin tonight we're chilling feels good puppies a couple beers yeah kevin uh his wife and jack jack are over checking out the pups and we're gonna do a little recap of my mississippi trip with clients friends and mr jim ronquest which we're excited to uh hopefully have him on the show here in the near future he was a scholar and a gentleman and uh just a fantastic trip we also have that summit litter there's one boy left as of right this second I don't know by the time this airs, if there'll be a puppy left, but if you're interested in a lone duck puppy, you can go to the website and fill out a form. There's no, you don't need to put a deposit down or anything like that. But if you want to be like updated on when our puppies are being born and what's going on, that's where you would find that information. The other thing I want to talk about, do like a brief talk about is dogs first hunting season. Mistakes, common mistakes they make so that you don't think your dog is a problem or like a turd <laughs> or whatever the case may Dead be dog deadbeat things like that to ease your mind and help you think through making them successful helping them be successful in the dog's first hunting season we've talked about preparing for first hunting season we talked about like don't bring your gun all that stuff but like i'm gonna rip through some common mistakes that dogs make in their whole first hunting season and early second season like I don't care if your dog's five or one, if they haven't picked up 300 birds or 200 birds or 100 birds, these things will happen and you will now be armed with some information to feel okay about it and how to work through it. Yeah, at least feel like you're not alone, Mm -hmm. that this is quite common. Yeah, which real quick, everybody, in case you're curious, excuse me, I'm drinking a Utica Club. From Utica, New York, it is the first beer sold in the U.S. after prohibition. I mean, maybe that's true. I don't really know. But fact, fact of the day. Fact of the day. We switched from Bush Light, and I'm slurping on a Utica Club. Good. I get. I mean, it's a local beer, but Utica clubs were famous back in the day. You see? Yeah. All right. So Mississippi. So. This kind of came out of the blue. Came out of the blue. So Frank, who owns Ace, Master National Plate Holder Ace, shot me a text message as I'm driving home from Master National and said, I have a spot available and I'm holding it for you. Can you go? You know, I knew I had the puppy litter and da-da-da-da-da, but hey, it's hunting season. Opportunities like this don't come around. Love the guy, love the dog. Great people are going. Yes, (laughs) doesn't sound like a bad time. (laughs) No, but you know, with the puppies, it's stressful to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's a but there's always an excuse to not go or to say no or to not take life by the uh, cojones. So I said yes, and I'm so glad I did. Yeah, you know, first off, I think Frank is. I feel like he's more than a client now. You know, I felt like that for a long time. Like he's had a, he had a dog named Jet that I helped work with. Then I've raised Ace, you know, over the last three years alongside him and his wife. And they've had a baby since then. And just like, you know, cool dude, man. And we've gotten to hunt one time together. And it's not like he comes over on Tuesdays to just hang out and have fun. So it's like, this is a great chance to like really get to know him and his buddies from home and another client mike you know it's just like you get to know him more than the hour or or half a day that they come and train with you sure where's where is he from if i remember correctly he's from staten island lives in jersey or just lives in jersey when i say he's hardcore so he's like local-ish in the sense of like northeast, few-hour car ride. But well, like he, you. he has a place, and he's about my age. Actually, I think he's a little younger than me. He has a place here near the Finger Lakes for duck hunting, so that his wife and baby can have a place, so that he can go duck hunting in the morning and be home with them. With and, them, like, and then be like, "All right, I'm going to go scout for a little bit. You guys want to take a ride with me?" Like, he, yeah, boy, <laughs> Frank's <laughs> no dummy, baby. <laughs> So, uh, it's just, he eats, sleeps and breathes it. Yeah. They go to Arkansas and, you know, to be a, you know, I'm, I'm going to cliche or not cliche. I'm going to, what's the word I want to, I'm just stereotype, stereotype. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, bud. Like you would stereotype a New Jersey guy as not knowing what's going on in Arkansas. Mm, okay. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Sure. So in Arkansas, dude, sees a New Jersey plate, they're going to go, what? Sure. Frank busts those stereotypes. They are down and dirty. He is an absolute savage duck hunter, diehard duck hunter, him and Mike both. And and like their buddies too. Like they go, they'll load a boat, dogs, all that stuff and drive all the way to the Dakotas. They'll drive all the way from Jersey to Arkansas and they will put the hours on e-scouting real scouting figure it out and get her done and so it's like cool to be around that passion yeah right so like yes this was a paid hunt whatever but like that's rare for them they are typically public land scouting their butt off doing the work and spending the time and then learning from it going back next year doing better so ace has got a great home to yeah, where he's sounds, gonna smash some duck up his alley. Long story short, get invited, and it's just a, a, a fun filled, stressful because of the puppies. Start. I had two hours of sleep the night I had to leave, it was a rough night type of deal. And I get on the airplane, I'm like, oh, I'm out of it. This is gonna be a rough weekend, but like adrenaline excitement kicks in, and it didn't hit me until I got home. So that was cool. <laughs> We get there, and they're talking about eating crawfish, like a crawfish boil. Now, I've had crawfish. Very good. So I'm like, yeah, you definitely have to try it. So we Google in route. Wait, hang on. So they like the guys are talking about like, oh, where can we go? Yeah, what do we want to eat yeah, when we get there? Yeah, I got you. And one thing that they haven't had before that's like a bad area deal, Yeah, yeah. crawfish. Well, it's not crawfish season. Again, we're, we don't know. Yeah, from New York and New Jersey. So their season is like January, late December, January. So they didn't serve it, but we had shrimp. Yeah, dude, I ate a pound and a half. Frank bought two pounds and like we all, you know, shared and whatever. We went to town on a side of the road, single wide trailer restaurant. That's the best place to get. Diseases, (laughs) but (laughs) also it was delicious. So that's where we started our trip. Then we went to Raggio calls, Josh Raggio. We, we swung by his place, which again, hoping to have him on the podcast. This was like an upscale waterfowl boutique. Really? Think about that. Right. So you got high-end wax, cotton, gear who antique decoys um Pappy is it pappy van winkle pappy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The whiskey whiskey like they're they've done a custom duck call out of a pappy barrel and so they've got like gear for that like just high-end boutique which i don't know about where everybody who listens but like that wouldn't that business wouldn't survive here not in Parish, New York. Not, not in Parish, New York. Not even in Central New York because no. waterfowl hunting, it's, it's not like centralized. So like we're all spread out across the state. People aren't coming to my hometown to visit that. It's not part of the heritage. Thank you, heritage, right? So this little town that he's in, it is. And people will visit it and then like he's become... A must-see place. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and his calls are beautiful. Did you get one? I did. Treat yourself. Yeah. I haven't talked to you at all about this, so I... Treat yourself. (laughs) Nice. So I did. It's custom. Picked out the piece of wood that he's going to turn for me like pretty bad to the bone. That is cool. Yeah, very cool. So great guy i it sounds like he's gonna be on our podcast. B- very good friends with Barton Ramsey. like we just we I had thought a, that was familiar because yep. I feel like Barton's a, yeah, he's like a uh two hours north of them. They're spuds, so yep. we had things in common. good dude, great place. next stop was Parrish waterfowl, and this is the dude who hosted us, and he also makes duck calls, and he has made. A name for himself with cut down calls. So I am going to quickly describe what a cut down call is. And I'm not going to embarrass myself because I literally, this is where I learned about it, right? Like I've heard the word, but I'm not trying to on the fly YouTube. No, I'm not. The cut down call. So Brad at Parish, There's an old call named Olt. Olt was made in like Illinois in the 1910, 20, 30, 40s 50, 60s, whatever. And they were a hard rubber. And they, uh, dude, these guys knew all about it. And there's specific ones like a keyhole and a round hole and whatever it is. They had specific like. Again, I go back to you said the word heritage. So they would take these calls that were like not very good duck calls and they would tweak them and quote unquote cut them down oh. and make them their own. And that's what Jim Ronquest blows and is known for doing. And then he created his own called the Mondo, which is from you know where you can get it at Rich and Tone. The Mondo is a cut down styled after these old nostalgic olts olt that these folks are like buying on ebay for way more than they're worth cutting them down and making them their own it's bad it's like a chopper it's like a motorcycle chopper yeah that is pretty sweet okay so so you do that yeah so we go to brad's shop and he it's very cool so he wants to bring economy to his little town in mississippi so he has a coffee shop duck call like at the coffee shop, you can see his like behind plexiglass area where he's got his lathe and duck calls and whatever. Really, very cool. That is pretty cool. This mm, Hey, did you know? that bismuth weighs more than steel. It's kind of a no brainer, but maybe you didn't know that little fun fact. So what that means is you can shoot a smaller size than if you were to be shooting steel. So for instance, let's say you shot three inch threes, which I used to shoot before I shot bismuth. I now shoot fives. That means you've got more BBs in each shell going down range that packs the same or more punch so more bbs down range means more likelihood of hitting the duck and with that bismuth more likely that that duck is going down better than door now you and your dog get the retrieve bingo bango, bongo bismuth by kent from the duck blind to the holding blind baby it's purina the food that fuels the truck of lone duck the big dogs are eating the 3020 purina pro plan Sport. We do the chicken blend. I've also had friends that have super success on the salmon blend, but it's a great food to fuel the athlete that gives you their all. So why don't you give them your all? Feed Purina. So he hosted this experience, right? The experience is come hunt with him and Jim Ronquest. I mean, that's a pretty cool experience. Legendary. So Jim Ronquest, if you don't know who he is, shame on you, but he's been on tv for over 20 years for rich and tone he was a duck guide in arkansas stuck guard area for 20 plus years and is an absolute savage on the duck call absolute knowledge of that stuff but he's also a badass duck dog guy like i remember watching tv and watching his old dog tank so we were he and i were talking about tank he's got charlie and tiny in the back of his truck oh, yeah so i got to throw marks and pick out marks and blinds for jim and tiny and charlie. No Way, so that that's, that's you, pretty cool yep so everybody who listens to this podcast i'm sure and if you don't tune into adam and jimmy's podcast called the dog house their good best friend is tyler patterson i think tyler very highly of tyler patterson he is a a straight up gentleman, like was in the Marines. He worked for like really high level field trial pros since he was like 14 throwing birds for him. I mean, just a absolute dog man. And he trains Jimbo's dogs. So I meet Jim. I'm like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like Adam and Jimmy are really good friends. I see Tyler a bunch through those guys, like great dude. And just kind of like break the ice. Like, no you know? deal. Like, I'm not name dropping, but I'm just making him feel comfortable because he's standing around with a bunch of dudes who don't know each other. Right. And other than Frank and Mike, I don't know anybody. Right. So we, like, I don't think that's weird. You make it, like, oh, we have, it conne- we have a like, common connection. Like, oh, look at connection. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I wasn't name dropping to be weird. I'm just saying we have a little commonality, and let's BS. Dude, it was like a light bulb switch, and he just, like, smile. Like, he had a smile the whole time, but he just was like, oh hell yeah these guys are just like me like and then talk him talking to frank and mike like who who have hunted the same spots he's hunted he's like damn these jersey guys know what's up so it was just a really unbelievable like that's pretty cool yeah like he gave them a sense of belonging a sense of like we made it to say like where they scouted he scouted and it's like yeah nice job man that's a good one you know yeah, like they show cool. up, you know, hundred thousands of miles away and scouted, and it's like, yeah, I know that spot. You did a good one. Don't go back, <laughs> yeah. right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. So day one, the weather was rough, real gray day, rainy, and what I love and can appreciate is just watching birds. So it ended up being like a wood duck haven. I mean if I said a thousand wood ducks, it was five thousand wood ducks. It was like being around a beehive and watching bees flying around. Really? Yeah. Like right at just right at sunrise. Or yeah, like the first ever? 30, 30, 45 minutes was Man. just constant everywhere you looked, which can make it unsafe. Would we'll, so that we had nine people, not all nine were shooting, but we had nine people. And you're like, going to pull up on a duck and you don't want to shoot because other people aren't shooting either. Just like you had to be careful. And then, you know, the wood ducks aren't like decoying necessarily. They're just buzzing. Right. And so you'd like pull up and be like, shoot, he's over there. Okay. Oh, this is a good. And so I did not shoot. Well, I didn't, I didn't cut a feather. Well, we were not, yeah, we were standing around. You're like, we're in a swamp all leaning against trees and trying to find trees to hide in. It just was a lot of dudes, not a lot of hiding spots. Sure. So we were almost in a horseshoe. And so you yeah, just that had to be tough. Yeah. We just had to be careful. And so it ended up being like, I think two birds were killed, even though there were thousands around us. A couple misses, including me. Like I didn't cut a feather after the wood duck, we were watching mallards f- dump in maybe 200 yards away. And so they were working us, but again, it's hard to hide nine guys in. There's no shadows because it's a gray day. And I just, they were, you know, with Jim and Brad calling, like they were working us, working us, working us. And they just would go off 200 yards away and land. So we're like, let's pick up. We're going over there. Before you do that, mm-hmm. how freaking cool was it? Just listening to Jim Ronquest uh, called ducks, dude, him and Brad unreal. Like the way they teamed up and called, and it's an art. You know, so it's an art, right? It's an it's finesse. Like we talk about dog training, I can read a dog and guess what it's going to do before it does it. They're doing that with the duck, man. That's what call to do. How loud? How soft? Just that was a little too much. Boop, Boop boop boop. Bring it back down. Like they were playing with these birds, and even though it's hard to hide nine guys, they still had. Multiple groups of mallards that were like just about there. And they'd pick up and be nervous. And then they get them back. And it's just like it, it was bad to the bone. So we moved locations. I, had, I think I ended up getting one. And maybe I think we killed five or six in the second sit. So maybe we walked out. Of there was six or nine birds, something to you know, nothing crazy, but just fun morning, unbelievable first 30 minutes of just watching ducks. Yeah. That's and that's pretty- part of the game, right? Did Ace hunt? Yeah. Ace and a dog dog named Rosie. Ace did good. We're gonna talk about that in the second part. Okay. Ace did Ace did fine. I mean, if a bird fell, he marked it. I mean, he was he was good. But there were things that put him in a position to not be as successful as he could have been. Sure. So day two. So we ended up killing a few, go back to the lodge, crank a couple beers and say, like, hey, let's throw some marks. So I get on the buggy and I pick out some humdinger marks, like humdangers. for Ace. Who so-, so Ace, Rosie, and Jimbo's two dogs, Charlie and Tiny. So four dogs were there, and like you know, it was cool. Is like other people who came have never seen a dog of these calibers. All of them were master hunters. Ace passed the national. Jimbo's dog. One dog has five grand hunting retriever champion passes. <laughs> Two national plates, like, freaking hammers. He's all right. Right. (laughs) And you remember Sean Stahl? He's been on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dog Carl with a K. Yeah. Is Tiny's dad. No way. Yeah. So Jimbo bred his dog Charlie, the five-time grand dog, to Carl with a K. So Tiny was a bad-to-the-bone dog, too. And actually, we were kidding around to him and Ace were spitting images, like, small-package, you know, maybe a 60-pound dog with muscle. You know, like, yeah. Ace is a good-looking dog. Yeah, like, they've got muscle on top of muscle in a compact pit bull looking, like, just jacked. And they both ran, like, while I was throwing birds, and I'm watching Tiny, I'm like, this mf is running a blind like Ace. Like, do not pass go. That's do awesome. not collect $300. He is... that's awesome Great day i can just feel the power and how much you like while you're handling him you got to be three steps ahead of him with how fast he's running so very cool so we do that and then we stay up late like jimbo was down to hang out with us and talk and eat and drink some brown liquor and like we had fun just it's awesome that's what it's about it's yeah You said it wasn't about all the killing of the birds. No, it was the experience. It's a whole thing. Yep. So the next day we wake up, go to a different spot and zero wood duck flight, which was a little bummer because again, it's about watching birds too, but we had them trickling in and now all of us, and we were kidding around that my BAC was a little bit still there and I was whacking them. (laughs) Dude, whacking them and i go you know the running joke too was you know these guys are all elite they don't shoot hoodies (laughs) so i'm like man i just gotta get the rust off and shoot me a hooded merg on the water man like (laughs) i can't hit a duck in air i need a hoodie to get me going you know so the next day you know we're all feeling it a little bit and first duck rolls in. And the other running joke that is something from South Carolina, my friends in South Carolina, is you're only an a-hole if you miss. So if you pull up on a bird and you shoot before anybody calls it or whatever and you miss, you're the a-hole, right? Yeah. So first, if you get them, it's like, what if you get them? It's nice like, yeah, buddy, I had a baby. We're on the board. <laughs> so first duck in. Bow. I shoot it. One shot. I'm like, Bow! <laughs> <laughs> My BAC, it really helped me. No, we were, so the whole place is laughing and just because I missed a few the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, everybody's feeling good and having a good time. Did you bring your gun or did you borrow one from down there? Yeah, I, I brought one. Um, Mike put it in his case and we flew it. So I brought the over under. Oh, nice. Yep. So that kind of kicks us off. And it was like a slow trickle. It was like small groups coming in and we got. Again, the first one I shot was a gadwall, ringneck, a couple woodies, good bit of teal, but no mallards. I think that was it. ringneck, teal, gadwall, woodies. And the dogs did a nice job, like some real tough marks and just good stuff. They worked well as a team. It was good. So knocked the rust off the Satori. I think I came away with like four or five that day and didn't shoot, you know, 10,000 rounds at him. It was like good, clean shooting boys. And I picked up, went back, had breakfast and hung out and flew home. So it was a, a quick turnaround trip, but one I will never forget, both due to like seeing the wood ducks and having some good shooting and mainly the people. So that was really cool. Special time. Pretty darn cool. All right, check out com. We've got gear. We've got upcoming breedings. You can see all the dogs in our breeding program. If you're interested in getting yourself into a Lone Duck dog, this is where you can learn more. Check it out at LoneDuckOutfitters.com. So, uh, part so you two. noticed a few things. Yeah, part two, your dog's first hunting season what we talked about so ace hunted last year a handful of times maybe picked up like 30 40 birds last year maybe and this was his first hunt of the season well, we had nine dudes and two guys calling hard like hard it's a heck of a position to be in and hunting with another dog so you've got competition from another dog a bunch of people moving around where he's like ADD and other, like this is not an ace thing. I'm just going to use his as this example right now. Sure. Where like every time somebody moves, he thinks they're about to get up and shoot. And there's wood ducks flying everywhere, like landing 30 yards outside of range. So he's watching birds dump in. He's hunted enough to know what's going on, but nothing is going on. Right. Other than a bunch of dudes, a bunch of duck calling, and another dog adding excitement, okay? So, like, he was whining more than ever before. Like, he, I wouldn't consider him a vocal dog at all, but the competition, the duck calling, and watching birds that we weren't able to shoot landing all around him just threw him for a loop. It was just more than he could contain. Sure. Then when we did shoot and knock one down and the other dog got sent, he'd let out a frustration. Not good. We don't want that. We definitely don't want it to become a habit. No. Right. But again, can you blame him? He's watching all these birds buzzing and then somebody else get like, he just, it was so hard for him to contain it. it. Were you running him? Nah, Frank was, but I stepped in a few times to do a little bit of helping. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and then one we had to run a blind on, and Ace, like, gave a cash refusal or two. Um, And it was at a duck that the other dog had gone and gotten, like, 30 seconds before. So he's like, nah, I saw one over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, me. yeah. So from where I'm standing, maybe Ace didn't see the one land that we're trying to run him on. Oh, you feel me? Yeah. Like... So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on and it's not training. It's real life. So the, the piece of advice for that instance, I would make sure my dog marked that bird. We all get super excited when we all, one falls, two, three fall, whatever. Let's just say one falls. Make sure they saw it. Take your time. Don't just see it hit the water in Memphis and send them like sit. Good. Sit they're locked in send them like make sure that dog is locked in before you just kick them loose or else they're just gonna run right and and start hunting right no man's land blew the top off it they're so excited yes exactly dude they're boiling over yeah exactly they're boiling over and you say their name and they just they don't know where they're going they're just going 110 miles an hour yeah focus them in a bit make sure that they're looking where they belong and send them so one of them he we were running a blind and he gave a couple cast cash refusals. And I, you know, kind of sat back and was like, blow it again. Blow the whistle. Turn. I go, slow down. Because he's looking at nine other dudes standing up. So he's trying to find Frank. And, and meanwhile, Frank had casted him. He's not looking at Frank. I can see this. Slow down. Blow the whistle again. He finds Frank. Cast. He took it. You know, it's just like little things. That me sitting back going, Ace isn't trying to give you the middle mm-hmm. finger right now. He just is looking at nine dudes standing in a line in the woods right? trying to find you. Camouflaged in the woods. Camouflaged in the woods. In the midst of chaos. And, and, and it, yeah, you're nailing Adrenaline Adrenaline. Yeah. yeah, and the top is blown off. So he is level 10, but he's not giving you the middle finger. He's trying to find you. Slow down. Maybe blow the whistle again. Hey, Psst. good. Good. Cast. Just slow down yeah they're going way faster than in training and so are we slow down make sure that they're seeing you so once he saw him boom like took that cast carried that cast chased that bird down into they're like look like willows i forget what they called them i don't know but it's like thick nasty branches in the tree uh like the edge of the water and uh, he he dug it out and got it. So that was badass. Yeah. Like, yes, it came together. A couple other really good retrieves where they were team working it. But again, my thought is if we were to simplify this for Ace, this the example belongs to Ace, have one dog and half the dudes, right? right. He probably would have been quiet. And he probably would have marked better. And he probably would have felt less frantic to get it because of the competition increases anxiousness to be the one to get it. Right. Right. So that would be my advice. Like I think dogs can hunt together. No problem. But when they're young and piss and vinegar, it makes it harder. Well, if he's not, I think it's also a thing of expectation. Like, right. Yeah. He's a master national hunter. Right. He it's should awesome. be able to honor. Of course he can, But but he's used to honoring <clears throat> three ducks. Right. And in a, uh, controlled, in a controlled environment right? rather than a, a veteran hunt. They're just different. Yeah. That is a veteran dog hunt. Right. Yeah. It's just different. And you can't have you can't expect a veteran dog hunt from. Technically, a... technically, as far as hunting dog goes, meat dog, he's pup, if you will. Or, Even or though he's three was... and has been on hunts, it's like that you're throwing the everything in the kitchen sink at him on this hunt and, yeah. and it boiled over. So simplify another thing that d- people, so I, I kind of mentioned it before, but I'm going to hit it home here. And this is not going back. This is going back to ACE cause I saw it, but like so many people see that bird fall and say the dog's name. They don't even know if the dog saw it fall. You are the dog handler. Slow down. I know you're excited. I'm excited too. Slow down, look at the dog. Are they looking where they belong? Kick them loose. Good. Sit. Kick them loose. Then high five your buddy. And then watch your dog and enjoy the process of your dog doing it. Right. The next thing is if your dog can handle, that doesn't mean you should handle. And again, now I'm like completely taking away from I'm not talking about Ace or anybody anymore. No, but talking about life. Let the dog, if they get themselves in a predicament. Let them take a second and figure it out. Maybe the duck drifted down current or got blown through the wind or blown with the wind and they go to where they saw it fall and the duck is no longer there. Don't just stop them and handle them. Let them look, let them hunt, let them think and let them figure it out. And they will become better at that. And like Buck, for an example, hunted a river, his bunch of his first seasons he started figuring out that that duck wasn't where it landed and he would take like an angle of trajectory and cut it off. That's a learned, not trained, that's a learned behavior through experience. Jerk strings. Jerk strings are a phenomenal tool that I have yet to master hunting with a dog. So I think that there are certain jerk strings that dogs can kind of climb over. And like, if you're in lunging water where the dog is lunging, it's maybe less likely to get tangled, but if it's swimming, it's going to swim right into it and get tangled. And now you're in a cluster. Okay. I had a question come in about me and you hunting geese with prairie and tying her up. And like, why did you tie her up? I tied her up for everybody else, not me and her. I expect her to be steady, but I'm also not an idiot. Right, she want, might want to go and break, and the one time she breaks, she gets shot or ruins the the shooting for other people, and now we got no birds, <laughs> no birds in no prairie, and yeah. Like so I mean, the, the worst heck? case scenario is the dog yeah. gets in, you know, hurt. The next worst can, case scenario is no one gets to shoot because there's a dog in the decoys. Yeah. So it's I just I I didn't even I like had. I didn't do. I have a gun dog outdoors thingy, but I couldn't find it, so I just clipped a leash to her and put it underneath my foot. Boom, simple. What? And then I unclipped still got her. To hunt still got to whatever. She yeah. Marked. Waited. Like. Yeah. And she stayed steady. To be honest with you, she never even balked. So it's like good. Good for her. But the one time she didn't would have. You know, I would have been wishing I had her tied yeah. up. So don't be scared to tie them up or feel self conscious that you're tying this dog up, even though they're real steady in training. Well, and you know what? Tie the dog up for the first couple of volleys where they're boiling over and all excited, and then they get their their willies out. Their willies out, and then they're a little bit more calm. And okay. They didn't break the first three volleys. Yeah. We're good. All right. Unclip. Like, you know. Yep. Why not? Yep. I just think that people have such we train so hard and we prepare our dogs to the nth degree that when they screw up. It sucks. And I remember back in the day, I would lose my patience. I would ruin the hunt. Like, I would be so disappointed that it didn't go according to plan when the dog made a mistake. And now maturity, me experiencing a lot more hunting dogs is like, it doesn't make them less of a dog. It makes them a dog. Yeah. And so give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the opportunity for success so that by the time it's four or five and has a couple hundred retrieves, like Jim Ronquest made a comment of, you know, the argument of hunt tests and field trial dogs don't make good duck dogs. He goes, that's BS. Give me that dog. Let me shoot 100 or 200 or 300 birds over them, and I guarantee you it'll become a phenomenal duck dog because it'll have a great foundation of all the other skills that it has acquired right but the point that i took away from that is a couple hundred yeah not 10 you right like well you gotta it's like building muscle memory you're not great at something after you do it 10 times right. and then you wait a year until it's season yeah. to do it or again or 30 or 50 10. there are some dogs that go out on saturday and sunday and pick up 30 birds every time for 60 days right or whatever yeah Those are lucky dogs and people for most of us. It's like twos and threes and fours and fives. The dozen times we can go out. Like I've been out duck hunting now twice and, or three times, one up here and two in Mississippi. So like Prairie got one bird on that goose hunt. That doesn't make her a goose dog. That's probably why she didn't break. She didn't know what the hell was going on. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, we kill 70 of them in her face, and she's probably going to start breaking because she knows the game for field goose hunting. The point is they're an animal. They're not remote controlled, and they're not perfect, nor are we. If you shot every single duck that came in, and you called every duck that flew over you, and you didn't look up at the wrong time and flare the birds, and da da da, and you were perfect. Now maybe I could say, hey, maybe your dog should be perfect. But you, my friend, are not. And I'm looking at you, but I'm just now. I'm just you, yeah, yeah, listener, are not perfect. Please be patient with your dog, and put them in a position to be successful. Two or three guns. Think about how you're calling if your dog is vocal and struggling with vocal. Don't just hail call at them when they're a mile away that you're sending a prayer up at them. Right. They aren't coming anyways. Let's be for real. No. You know, work the birds that are working. Shoot birds that are coming into your decoys. Don't sky bust and have 20 rounds go for nothing and expect your dog to be perfect because they're building and building and building and building and you are calling and calling and shooting and shooting and nothing is happening. Right. The other thought I have is we bring a bumper a lot of times. So if they are bored and we have a slow day, we can release that tension, release that anxiety and give them a little bit of action to help take that edge off and maybe stand up, shoot, throw a bumper, reward them. Right. But the main thing I want to just get the hit home is have high expectations in controlled environments low expectations and uncontrollable environments and build upon it. You're You're gonna hunt with this dog for 10, 12 years, I hope, eight to twelve. M- build the first season or two on positivity, teaching, patience, good ha- forming good habits. Don't throw them to the wolves with ten dudes shooting. and make sure that they can see the birds and are marking the birds. And able to do their end of the bargain, keep them steady, keep them obedient, keep them having fun, keep them warm, keep them dry as long as possible. And you will slowly build a fantastic dog. Any of those pieces that you screw up too many times, too much, all of a sudden you're going to create bad habits. So that's my takeaway. I do not think Ace is ruined and going to be vocal. I just think he needs to slow down go hunt with two buddies and pick up a dozen birds each hunt with just him, just Frank and two buds. And he will turn into a more relaxed, like it'll be my time. All this duck calling doesn't mean any second now, right? It's about to go down. It'll, it'll come together. Patience is a virtue and most of us aren't as patient. So Guys, hope you enjoyed that show. We've got a lot of cool guests coming up for December and into the new year. We also have our Christmas episode. Oh, boy. Santa, baby. we wanna soaking in the moment. Do flex. <laughs> I don't know the words. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks like of episodes. Patreon hunt next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you're not on Patreon and you like this show, Buy me and Kevin a beer. Hop on Patreon. It's it's going to be, I mean, it's just fun. Screw it. That's all it is. Yeah. It's fun. It's got a bunch of information on there that's not anywhere else. You get happy hours with us. We teach you some stuff. You get discounts on gear. And this year, somebody won an almost all-expenses-paid trip to go duck hunt with us. Plus, it was a Patreon-only hunt. So we'll recap this when we get mm-hmm. back and or maybe bring some gear and do something. That'd be cool. Yeah, we can talk about that and figure out what we can do. Yeah, maybe we can but do a little, uh, little. It'll be good, little deal like that. But, anyways, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a good or you're having a good duck season thus far. You and your dog are successful, and uh, do me a favor, leave a comment. You know, all that jazz. Appreciate you as always. We'll we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it. Enjoy it. We did it for you and you're helping us produce this show so thank you so much to that community get in get out let's roll patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters